The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James, described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. I believe in ideas coming from my subconscious. I believe in the idea that, you know, sometimes the characters will end up doing their own thing, even if you have plotted a line of thought or action or dialogue. Sometimes they do something else and you just have to manage and manage them. Uh, and I go with it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't say, oh, gosh, you know, I have to get back to the outlining. Sometimes when I do outline, I find that it doesn't work. And it, so it is quite chaotic. And that has worked for me so far, like allowing my subconscious to intrude into the writing process. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance for usual. New York Times bestselling novelist Deepti Kapoor spoke with me about plumbing her subconscious for stories, a changing India, and the trifecta of big business, crime, and corruption, and her sprawling saga, Age of Vice. Deepti is the bestselling author of Age of Vice, a novel described as deftly shifting through time and perspective in contemporary India, an epic, action-packed story propelled by seductive wealth, startling corruption, and bloodthirsty violence. The book was the Good Morning America Book Club selection for January, and it's been purchased by FX for a series. It was also described by number one internationally bestselling author Lee Child as sensationally good, huge, epic, immersive, and absorbing. After growing up in northern India, Deep D studied journalism at University of Delhi, and later completed an MA in social psychology. She worked for several years as a journalist in New Delhi, driving the city, finding stories, and learning the streets. In this file, Deep D and I discussed how to employ radical empathy in your storytelling, starting a novel without a plan or an outline, the importance of a strict routine and letting ideas incubate, when characters insinuate themselves into your story, how to write propulsive entertainment with a message, and a lot more. And just a couple notes, the audio quality during the interview varies. Dipti lives in a densely populated part of Portugal, and sirens can be heard at times. And there is a mention of drug use, though theoretical. And if you hadn't noticed, I am recovering from COVID. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show 
by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. Okay, we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by... Uh, New York Times bestselling author Deepti Kapoor is joining us. Thank you so much for doing this. I understand that you are overseas in Portugal. Yeah, I mean, Kelton, um, it's a real pleasure to be talking to you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, uh, I feel like it is truly an honor. Um, you must be a hot commodity right now with the release of your latest um, this month, Age of Vice, which you know we can talk about, of course, at length, but um, getting quite a bit of. Uh, acclaim and uh congrats how what's the vibe over there how are you feeling about everything uh physically i'm feeling a little bit exhausted only because <laughs> i was um i was in new york and paris and then i went to india Jaipur for the weekend for a literature festival and you know that kind of just threw me in terms of just which time zone i'm in now i'm back in lisbon um yeah and um so and also happy um this is a you know this has been with me for so many years and now it's finally out in the world and everyone gets to talk about it um yeah. and comment on it and yeah it's it's a strange exciting time mm -hmm. it must be um so yeah i mean i want to talk about kind of the international tour and the jet lag and whatnot but um let's wind the clock back as we do with so many esteemed authors and talk about this kind of really interesting career and path that you've had. I understand that you were a journalist, of course. You have a also a master's in um, social psychology, um, which I want to talk about. But yeah, talk about your kind of superhero origin story, um, <laughs> because you know you've you've been writing forever, seemingly, but this is uh, your second novel, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm, um, yeah, I, a superhero though. Um, it's more like I kind of just stumbled into things. I studied journalism and then psych social psychology. Um, I'm glad you, you found that out and picked that one up. Uh, and then, uh, worked as a journalist in my, uh, in Delhi in my twenties, um, drove around a lot, um, documented the city and the social trends and the changing city um, in the early aughts and then moved to Goa, um, met my husband, got married, left the Delhi journalism partying world behind and uh, became a yoga teacher, started to read a lot and then kind of thought, you know, I could attempt to write a novel. Um, Goa in those days had very little limited internet access, um, which was really perfect and idyllic now that I think of it. Um, it just kind of gave me the time to to think about books and novels and to attempt to write one. And that was my first novel that came out in 2014, 15. And then um, years later, this one comes. And this took um, much longer. I was just trying to figure out what to write next. It's weird because you write one novel and then, you know, it kind of like opens a lot of doors um, even if that novel doesn't sell a lot, um, you know, it just, you know, people start asking you what you're working on next. And um, 
I had all these stories from my Delhi years as a journalist. And otherwise, I, I, I always thought I could find a, a way, a form to, to take these. Because it was when you're a journalist, you're kind of just writing these 500, 1,000 word pieces. But there was a lot more that I wanted to say. And, you know, India had changed and has and keeps changing. So it was just a really interesting uh, time to to write about. Yeah, of course, uh, you are capturing kind of a very specific time in hi history and the history of this country and this uh, fascinating city of Delhi. But yeah, talk about kind of the set and setting for Age of Ice and some of the inspiration be behind it, because, you know, it's been described, you know, as kind of a fast paced, shadowy, at times true crime, at times autobiographical thriller. Of course, I know you don't love, love that term, but um, talk a little bit about how you came to this kind of family saga and, and d landed on these di three different points of view that are so compelling in Age of Vice. Really, um, I didn't uh, think I was going to write this big, sprawling novel. Um, in the beginning, it was a, a small idea about writing about the Delhi rich, um, kind of Gatsby-like story, maybe, of the rich, the kind of harm they do um, and how they retreat behind their wealth. And then uh, very quickly, I realized that that wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to um, touch on larger themes. Um, you know, a story of the rich in India really is a story of inequality and corruption and power and abuse of power. In 2012, we had um, this big um, gang rape and murder um, of um, it's a big story. Jyoti Singh, this girl who got who got gang raped and then murdered on a bus in Delhi, and that provoked and set off um, nationwide protests. It was covered extensively in the international media. I remember at that point of time, of course, feeling um, a deep sense of shame and um, realizing that as a novelist, I needed to become a little bit more radical and political. And you know, the act itself was brutal, but what really was you know it was the out of our it was a corruption involving out of hours bus routes that led to that act and it was it, it was then that I realized that I needed you know an, a novel about say the Delhi rich or whatever very soon became a novel about the network and processes of corruption of power and complicity so that's kind of the journey that I I made and the ideas that I wanted to communicate. And of course, we're not doing it justice by by kind of describing it in such broad terms. Yeah. It has had so much fantastic press reviews, blurbs are amazing. Um, congrats. I mean, you must be feeling pretty good about that being a, a Good Morning America book club pick. And of course, you know, just a, a, a much lauded second work has got to feel pretty good at this point. Yeah, but also just um, relief sometimes, but also, you know, just it's out there in the world and you do it, you can't control it anymore. So some, di some disbelief? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit always, a, a little bit of anxiety about that. Yeah. Um, 
do you get any, you know, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll read some of the blurbs and, and they're really, really nice to see. Booker Prize winner, New York Times bestselling author Marlon James said, this book, this epic, crazy, shocking, mind-blowing, brutal, tender, heartbreaking book is one of the best I've read. It is hard to describe because it is such a sweeping drama, family drama, but, but it's being described as a family drama set against a vivid cinematic backdrop of modern India. Age of Vice transports its reader to a pulsating world propelled by action-packed plot, epic in scale, but painfully intimate in its rich character portraits. And I want to talk some about your process, of course, but you have talked about kind of this radical empathy that you're kind of employing in your prose and, and talk maybe about your, your, obviously your journalism background has played some into the storytelling piece, but then maybe the social psychology piece has given you kind of a, a deeper understanding of kind of the heartbeat of what you were witnessing as you were kind of driving through this city in, in this particular period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the social psychology degree um, just allowed me to, you know, as, as a journalist, of course, you're trained to ask the right questions, to pursue stories. But, you know, the empathy and the ability to sort of inhabit someone else's pain. Um, I've always been a great listener. I'm very happy to sort of disappear some, and, and into spaces and just observe people or or just listen to them, you know, and 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 have them tell me their stories, and and that really helped. And you know, these stories came from all kinds of people, you know, just just everyone. Um, I remember at one point of time, my mother is a um, is a widow and she she can't drive. Um, and in India, it's very easy to have a driver. It's not like a big deal, you know. So she couldn't drive, so she had a driver. Her driver was in Prozac at the same time I was in Prozac, you know. Mm, so we used mm -hmm. to discuss that. Another one of her drivers went into went to jail for uh, murder, and we would, you know, talk about My. yeah, we talk about his stories. There was another one whose brother was in jail for murder. So like the stories are just ever present they're surrounding you you just have to be able to tap in and listen hmm. mm -hmm. how do you feel about the comparisons to the godfather and the great gatsby um that must be a little intimidating but really really uh pretty amazing yeah i i mean i don't know what to, to feel about that you know <laughs> i I think you you captured it really well, amazing and intimidating at the same time. I I think um, so. The, the comparison with the Godfather is interesting. I can see why because it's this big criminal family, um, you know, controls so much the heart of the story. There is the conflict uh, between the dynamic between uh, the father and son that I'm exploring. But it's a story of capitalism as well, America and India. What's interesting and different in the Indian context is that I wanted to show that relationship between big business and, and crime and politics, because increasingly in India, you don't have the mafia on the other side of the law. It's, in, it's indistinguishable from the law. So, so that was something that was, you know, I was trying to sort of set it in as much of a real world as I could, the political social reality at least. And within that world, you of course you have, um, you know, your characters doing things, and you have this propulsive, entertaining story. But then you're trying to smuggle in these other ideas, especially about crony capitalism and corruption. Yeah, 
and the and the Gatsby, I, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> you know, I love, I mean, Gatsby, an incredible novel. It's one of my favorites. So what I did actually want to do was, you know, there's that idea for Adelie Gatsby, which became something larger. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's so many different things. And I guess you can read so many novels in this novel. And maybe that's also just reading all my own influences. Yeah, interesting. So talk a little bit about the process, if you will, because I've heard you say that your process is a little bit chaotic and unpredictable, um, that you didn't go in with like a larger, like an out, you're not like an outliner or a planner per se, but how do you put together such a sprawling epic without a roadmap or, you know, talk a little bit about kind of like what your ultimately what your best method for production would be. With Age of Vice, I knew when I had the start, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to start it with this crash and then we're going to revisit this incident from the point of view of different characters. Um, That's, that I knew that was like, okay, I'm going to start with that. I'm going to start with Ajay's story, then move to Neda and Delhi and then Sunny. And then it became more chaotic because I believe in ideas coming from my subconscious. I believe in the idea that, you know, sometimes the characters will end up doing their own thing, even if you have plotted a line of thought or action or dialogue, sometimes they do something else and you just have to manage and manage them. Uh, And I go with it. (laughs) You know, I, I, I don't say, oh gosh, you know, I have to get back to the outlining. Sometimes when I do outline, I find that it doesn't work. And so it is quite chaotic And what really works for me is when I am writing, um, having a a very strict routine, waking up very early in the morning and then working for those early, during those early morning hours and um, then just hiking or meditating, uh, not meditating, like I'm not a meditator, meditator, but doing yoga, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and then that breaks that spell of say, you know, you get two weeks of incredible work done and then you have to break it and go for a, you know, wine, a glass of wine, or go out and do other things. And then maybe there'll be a period of just thinking hmm. where you actually, if it looks like you're not doing anything, but um, a lot of the deep thinking comes then. And then those ideas go back into the writing. So that has worked for me so far, like allowing my subconscious to intrude into the writing process. Yeah. And I'm recording you here. You had said that your rational self play plays against your subconscious, which is a really a pretty interesting idea. I haven't heard it put that way before. Yeah, because I mean, the, all these characters are, I, I think, you know, expressions of you in many ways, or at least you've created them, even if they might have been inspired by, you know, people or stories. Um, and there is the outlining or the planning that happens. And that's your rational self saying, this is the way to plot a proper novel. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. Um, and this is how we're going to go. And then the subconscious will come in. Um, and in, in specifically for Age of Vice, it happened in the way uh, the character of Sunil Rastogi was born. Hmm. He just literally planted himself in my head. I was in a writing retreat in Southwest France and it just happened. And then I had to find a way to accommodate him in in the narrative and everyone else around him. 
<laughs> uh, that's not a great way. I mean, it can be, it, it, and that sometimes is, is a really difficult way of working, but I accept it. That's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as you, as you put it, these characters take on a life of their own. But of course, you had mentioned that this is a book at 20 years in the making. So this, this is the culmination of a lot of different stories. And, you know, I, I understand that you were kind of scribbling notes on like bar napkins at, at one point uh, earlier in your career, but didn't know if this would become a novel. But of course, it kind of all um, has solidified now into this amazing work. Congratulations. What is next? Because there are rumors that this is part of a, a, a larger trilogy. Not, not a rumor. <laughs> not a rumor at all. Yeah, I, it was towards the end of writing uh, that I realized that I had uh, I wasn't done with the characters of the world. And um, if, if I wanted to, I could either spend years and then write a thousand something word novel that no one would read <laughs> or structure it like a trilogy. Uh, it just felt like the most sensible option at that time. Mm. Um, which is how it played out. And um, now I'm working on uh, the second, you know, and and figuring out where the characters are and structure and everything. Um, so that that's, yeah, that's how it happened. And I'm not, you know, it's like at that point of time, you think, okay, I can finish this novel and I'm done with it. And then you don't actually think of the years that you <laughs> are giving away <laughs> to the world. So... I don't think about anything else. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, again, congrats. Age of Vice. Washington Post said, finally free from the book's grip. Now all I want to do is get others hooked. I thought that was a, a nice compliment. Yeah. Um, the New York, New York Times had mentioned that, that it has a cinematic quality. Uh -huh. It's been described as both a luxe thriller, a lush thriller, and Lee Child called it sensationally good, a huge, epic, immersive, and absorbing book. So, um, as we look forward to a sequel, uh -huh. I understand that there is a uh, an adaptation uh, mm -hmm. already in the works because FX had gotten the rights, right? And so, are you uh, involved in a an adaptation for the screen? Uh, yeah, actually, I am um, adapting it myself with my husband, and we're working on the pilot. We're trying to get in other people um, to work with us. It's it's great because there's so many deleted scenes. That never made it to the um, to the novel that can now go to, into the um, TV show. Man, um, yeah, uh, and it's a whole different world. I mean, it's the same world, but it's a whole different process. It's yeah. tremendously exciting. Yeah, how are you finding that process? Are you working with a, a, a like a writer's room? Are you at, are you at that place yet? Not yet, and not yet. We've we've been just kind of um, working together, uh, the both of us, with producers in LA and New York. But now we are. Um, I, I think it's time to bring in more writers. So <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> so you're you're living truly like the jet setting lifestyle that's kind of uh, you know presented at times in in the book. Do, do you feel like you, like you've reached a, a like an interesting place in your life where you know, fiction and reality are kind of bleeding together at times? Uh, yeah, but also, I mean, I'm not, uh, the jet setting is really just this month. And, you know, I, I'm craving to return to boring. <laughs> so boring <laughs> that no one knows, you know, that I'm just working and, and also to basically, uh, 
I don't know, renting a cabin in the woods and with um, a fire <laughs> and some books and hot chocolate and whiskey. <laughs> That's what nice. I'm dreaming about right now. It's not going to happen, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. much prefer that. Back to unlimited uh, internet access. Oh, yeah. I could ask you so many more questions about the work and the process, of course. I know you have limited time. We really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, and the sirens in the background are, are lending quite a bit of uh, intrigue to the interview. Oh, you can hear them. I'm, I'm, I, I live in this um, pretty, uh, you know, busy, noisy city, north of city center, immigrant part of town. And we have these ambulance sirens constantly going <laughs> bushing past the streets it's a it's a corner apartment so you have like an intersection um and, and and for some reason in the evening they become really loud but yeah i, I have heard you mention but and i've got a fun one for you um but you said uh specifically like if you hang out with other writers you know where are you going to get your stories from i thought that was pretty funny yeah and uh but i have a i have a question for you about hanging out with other writers if you could hang out with any author from any era at your favorite spot in the world, you know, for dinner or drinks, all expenses paid, of course, uh, who would you choose and where would you uh, take them? Oh, I don't. Okay. I would maybe choose Jane Bowles or Paul Bowles in Casablanca. I haven't been. Or oh, their life in Casablanca, these, you know, these American expatriates um, who lived that sort of, it, which seems at least from here, incredible life, you know, in mid 20th century, where you kind of like wrote your novel and then you sent it out and you didn't hear back from your editor for <laughs> days, months. Sure. Um, and then you just lived. Um, you know, that would, I, I kind of like, love the idea of that kind of life. And I would love to, nice. um, you know, have that, that maybe basically go back in that time so i wouldn't choose yeah. to go anywhere right now i just choose to to go and hang out with them hanging out in yeah. casablanca drinking what like whiskey sours yeah whiskey sours yeah. And, and 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 i don't know maybe smoking some opium <laughs> i haven't I, I haven't smoked opium before but <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah that sounds that's a new twist yeah. I, I should ask authors like if they, you know they could have a drink with or smoke anything with any author <laughs> yeah what would they would smoke um, yeah, that for would some be it would cool. be cigars uh yeah. sure yeah that would be and of course i mean you know you guys have legalized everything so that's right no it's yeah. not it's not frowned upon <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, maybe some good variety of hash as well. Well, uh, we appreciate your time, your wisdom. If you could drop um, just like one final thought or pearl of wisdom for fellow scribes on just how to persevere, you know, be it through the good times or the bad, how to just, how to keep going. Oh, um, yeah, I think just you know, stay focused on what you want to do and don't think, don't second guess what others want you, uh, what you think others would want you to write. I think it's really important to just um, stay true to yourself, you know, like this is what I want to write and writing should be a compulsion. It shouldn't be something that you write thinking that the life of a writer is glamorous, but it, because it isn't. Yeah. And that I think is the biggest for me, you know, this idea that you know, I mean, right, you know, your writing is full of exhaustion and oftentimes it's quite painful, it's difficult. So you should only really write if you have a lot to say, if you, if you can't do anything else. I love it. 
The life of a writer isn't glamorous. It should be a compulsion. I have heard this uh, over and over. And hey, thank you so much. Congrats on the latest. Uh, please come back and wrap with us in the future about whatever you're getting into. And um, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Kelton. This has been a real pleasure for me. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.